Good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to the third uh, class on stewardship. My name is Clay Morton. For those of you that have not met, um, sharing the teaching with Ben Evans. He's here, so good to see him. <laughs> uh, it's another glorious Lord's Day, and it's so awesome to be here with you, you all to worship the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And before we get started, let's pray. Father, we praise you for you make a way for us to be here this morning. You provide everything for us, and then you draw us to yourself. Isaiah 46.3 tells us that we have been born by you before even our births, and that you have carried us from the womb until now. Apart from you carrying us, we can do nothing. So be with us now as we look to understand better how to give back to you. Help us in our time to honor and glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Before we get started, any burning questions that you had from the first two uh, ABF classes? Any, any burning question? And Ben's here, so... Any questions from the first uh, couple classes? Okay, so a quick recap of where we've been. First two classes, we spent time looking into Matthew 25 and the parable of the talents. We established that everything, every single thing that you own, you actually don't own. It's been given to you from God. 1 Corinthians 4, 7, what do you have that you did not receive? We establish that you don't own what you own. <clears throat> it's been given to you for a purpose. Last week, we discussed the purpose, and that is our faithfulness. We looked at the third servant and wondered why he went to hell. We, we, <clears throat> we discovered that he didn't know the master. His actions showed he didn't trust in the master, and he didn't have faith in the master. And it was counted to him as he was counted as wicked. So how we use the talents and gifts that have been given to us actually show what we believe about the master, what we think about God. Have you reflected on your faithfulness this past week? And are you ready to give account before a holy God how you have used your talent, the talents that have been given to you? To, to help us think more about our faithfulness to a holy God, we're going to be discussing giving this morning, the topic of giving. Now, as a kid, I had the privilege of watching my father give faithfully to the church I grew up in. We didn't have much money growing up, but he weekly gave to the church and, and to those that were in need around us. It was one of the coolest things to see my father do. He would weekly get out his checkbook and drop the check in the plate. Even as a young child, I wondered, <clears throat> what was he given and why every week? <clears throat> he, uh, and why every week? He, he is a disciplined man, and even as his income grew, he faithfully gave and always seemed cheerful about it. It wasn't like a tax bill or a utility bill. It was different because he seemed to actually enjoy it. Those who are faithful with very little will also be faithful with much. Luke 16.10. Now, I have no idea 
the amount he was giving. But his example was impactful to, to my life to watch him give and to give cheerfully. So why should Christians give? Why should we give? What do you think? Why should we give? Participation's great. Why should we give? Any thoughts? Why should we give as Christians? Give back. It's good. Sam? Cliff? That's great. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. On that point, Cliff, giving shows how great God is. First and foremost, we give because it shows how great God is. That's what Moses thought. Hebrews 11.26 says, Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to that reward. When Moses gave up the treasures that the world offered, he was proclaiming that Christ was worth more. Just like the man who gladly sold everything he had to obtain the pearl of great price in Matthew 13, 46. It's really simple logic. Give up what is valuable to gain what is more valuable. Giving for the sake of Christ shows how great our God is. Second, another reason. Giving shows how great God's gift was to us. How great his gift was to us. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says... For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. We can give away our worldly possessions because God has given us something so much more valuable. According to Scripture, we always give out of the spiritual abundance. Now, I want to stop right here and... Just, just make a point that if you're not a Christian or not a follower of Jesus, then giving in this lesson won't make much sense. <clears throat> a gift acceptable to God is one that is given because we have been given a new heart, <clears throat> a heart that wants to worship him. Without a relationship with Jesus, then your gifts will only be another dead work trying to earn favor with the holy God. The only way to find favor with God is by trusting in Christ and the grace he offers. And if you want to know more about all Christ has accomplished and his desire to save you, I would love to talk to you after the lesson. Or a friend that you're with would love to talk to you about it as well. Okay, another reason. Third, we give to become more godly. For one, giving helps us keep our priorities straight. <clears throat> Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Matthew 6, 21. God gives everyone a finite amount of money. Some we need to live on. Some we should probably use to save or invest or pay down debt to be responsible with what's been given. But we need to give away the rest, all of it. Because what remains, what we hoard, to use a biblical term, is a spiritual acid. It will eat away at our commitment to Christ. Keeping what we should give is trying to put our trust in God and in something else, which is impossible. You cannot serve God and money, Matthew 6, 24. Beyond that, though 
giving promotes godliness by reminding us that God owns all we have. That's why God goes so far in Malachi 3, 8, 10 to accuse the Israelites who had not been giving as he had commanded them of robbing him. Listen, listen to this. Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing unto there, <clears throat> until there is no more need. All we have is God's, not just the portion we set, set aside to give to a religious nonprofit. My heart, our hearts, always go where I put God's money. Watch what happens when you reallocate your money from temporal things to eternal things. Fourth, giving helps to bring about blessing. Giving helps to bring about blessing. <clears throat> if we give, we'll be blessed. Now, this is often a misunderstood biblical principle, but before we go after the bad teaching, let's understand what God actually is saying. God's promise of blessing is a real reason for why we should give. Luke 6, 38, Jesus says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be <clears throat> put into your lap. For with the measure you use it will be the measure back to you. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6-7, Paul says, Whoever, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We, we give because there is a reward for giving. This is a godly motivation for us. And sticking our nose up to refuse God's reward is not pious. Rather, it, it defames God and his delight in showing mercy. Giving in order to be blessed is a good and godly thing. Unfortunately, some so-called Christian teachers get this wrong and skew what God has promised. Even some evangelicals are guilty of this. They said that God's blessing for giving must include material prosperity and that blessing is for now, today. So T.D. Jakes tells us that if we plant a miracle faith seed by writing him a check, God will heal our marriages or our bank accounts, give us that cigarette boat we have always wanted, or, <clears throat> or a more faithful but still mistaken teacher might tell you that the reason you're not able to get out of debt is because you don't give faithfully to the local church. Those that teach like this incorrectly define the blessing of happiness and success by the world's standards instead of God's standards. <clears throat> but material wealth is not a trustworthy measure of our holiness. Now, in the Old Testament, God did tie material blessing to, to obedience. Because people were defined as a physical nation on a physical land that produced a physical material blessing. Numbers 14.8. The Lord delights in us, he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. 
But the Old Testament blessings were always pointed to something greater, more lasting. And on this side of Christ, God's people make up the church who have no country of their own outside of heaven. So when Scripture speaks speaks of reward, it emphasizes eternal spiritual blessing rather than present material blessing, Ephesians 1.3. For us, trust and obedience to God doesn't entitle us to worldly riches and comfort. In fact, God calls his people to suffer in this life, 2 Thessalonians 1.4. But this suffering for Christ's sake will be for our blessing and rich reward in heaven, Matthew 5.11-12. Heaven, not earth, is our home. Heaven, not earth, is our home. Hebrews 11.16 says that we are citizens of a better country, a heavenly one. So to summarize all this, if we give, we'll be blessed. And that blessing is a godly motivation for giving. That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9-7 that God loves a cheerful giver. Because that kind of giver advertises that the blessings that received is worth more than the gift. Cold-hearted drudgery giving says nothing good about who God is. It merely advertises him as a hard-nosed taskmaster. Motive is everything when it comes to giving. Where your heart, where your heart is at <clears throat> when you give, where is it? What is your motivation for giving? These are questions that we must ask ourselves. <clears throat> now, what if you're not feeling very cheerful this morning as you watch the offering plate come down the aisle and you look at the check in your hand and you think about all the things that you could buy with that money, but you give anyway? Trusting that God could use the money in a better way than you could. Have you, have, you, <clears throat> have you gained nothing? Of course not. You've acted in faith. And that speaks volumes about the trustworthiness of God. But, gives, but given, if we give gifts a mixed, like in a battle of temptation or, um, or struggle, those gifts of faith that are, are great worth in God's sight. So your motives don't have to be perfect in order to give faithfully. We're simple people after all. But if you just really don't want to give, maybe you, don't, you feel forced out of necessity to give, then don't give. Again, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, not reluctantly under compulsion. God doesn't need your money. He can fulfill his purposes without you. But... In his kindness, he gives us privilege and joy to participate in what he's doing. So, question for you guys. How has giving become joyful for you? How has giving become joyful for you? And you can can speak in generalities. You don't have to let your left hand know what your right hand is given. Um, But but how how has giving become joyful for you? Anybody willing to share? Good, yeah. 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 Awesome. Wor- it's wor- it's worship. Yeah. 
Awesome. Yep. It's really good. Anybody else? good awesome okay next point <clears throat> now what should Christians give so we've answered the why of giving but there's another big question we need to answer what do we give the, the, the short answer everything as I mentioned earlier God owns all that we have not just our money and so our giving encompasses a lot more than money For example, Paul writes in Romans 12, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And in 1 Corinthians 10, he says, So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Money is just one piece of a large puzzle of how we can use every gift, every opportunity, every relationship, every dollar to proclaim the glory of God with every minute he gives us on this earth. Sometimes we think that God's goal for our money is that we live on as little as possible so that we can give as much to the local church. And of course, that sacrifice will honor God. But they may, there may be well too, that may be too narrow of a view. For example, what would you tell a husband who felt that his wife was being ungodly for wanting to go out for dinner once a week, especially since they could easily make a meal at home for half the price. <clears throat> Would you encourage him to do this? Probably not. If you wanted his marriage to prosper, perhaps God might be more pleased if he used the money to build into the relationship with his wife rather than simply giving all to the church. Did Jesus commend the Pharisees in Mark 7 for giving a gift devoted to God at the neglect of caring for, his, for their parents? Of course not. Your money can do a lot of things. It can fund the ministry of this church, but it can also pay somebody to fix your plumbing so that you'll have time to meet up with a discouraged friend. It can be used as God's provision for a Christian friend struggling with debt. It can help you enjoy God's creation on top of some distant mountain. Your job as a Christian is to access every opportunity in your life many of which can be benefited from your money, and spend every bit of it for God's glory in this life. So what should we give? Everything. Our entire lives are spent for God's glory. Tithes and offering. Let's look at tithes and offering. Let's consider it a little more specific. How much money should we give? How much money should we give? Let's look at the Old Testament first. A good place to start 
is with the Old Testament concept of tithe, which was a bit like an income tax. A tithe just meant a tenth part of a tenth part was to be holy or set apart to the Lord. There were three different tithes collected in Israel. First, Leviticus 27, 30-33 tells us that a tithe of all the produce and flocks was to be set aside for the Lord. It says, Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed, of the land, of the fruit, of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. If a man wishes to redeem some of his tithe, he shall add a fifth to it. And every tithe of herds and flocks, every tenth animal of all that passes under the the herdsman, staff, shall be holy to the Lord. This tithe was given to the Levites, enabling them to serve the tabernacle full time since they were not given inheritance of land. They, in turn, were the tithe to support the priests in Numbers 18. Second, in Deuteronomy 12, we see that the tenth, that a tenth of one's produce and flock was to be eaten at a central sanctuary. And it's interesting, God's commanding his people to save up for a big party once a year to honor him. Remember, part of bringing glory to God is enjoying his gifts in ways, and and that that honors him. 1 Timothy 4.4 says that for everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. God loves to bless his people. Okay, so finally we see that every third year a tithe was to to go into a local storehouse to feed the poor. Deuteronomy 14, 28 through 29. And in addition to these three tithes, Israel also had a temple tax, Exodus 30, voluntary offerings in Deuteronomy 12, and gleanings of the field that was left for the poor in Leviticus 19. And in 2 Kings 23, 35, there's a additional tax levied for the monarchy. So the Old Testament system of giving was was way more complicated than just 10%. That said, if you're new to giving, 10% is a great place to start. After all, Abraham gave 10% to Melchizedek in Genesis 14, 20. And Jacob promised 10% to God in Genesis 28, 22, hundreds of years before the law was given. But now let's move to the New Testament. The New Testament practice of giving. It's interesting that nowhere in the New Testament are Christians commanded to give 10%. Instead, what we see in 1 Corinthians 16.2 is a simple admonition to give in keeping with our income, which we'll come to later. So what's happened to the 10%? Where'd it go? Well, the tithe, like animal sacrifices the scheduled festivals, the priestly offices were all part of God's regulation in the Old Testament of how people were to worship him. Once Jesus comes along, he announces in the Sermon on the Mount that he fulfills the entire Old Testament, Matthew 5:17. Worship ordinances in the Old Testament were pointed to him. <clears throat> That's what we get in, 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 in reading Hebrews. Once Jesus comes along, these things are no longer needed because one greater than the temple is here, Matthew 12, 6. That's why Jesus declares the temple tax is not relevant to his followers in Matthew 17, 17, 25 through 26. We are sons of the king. Jesus says, and kings don't tax their own sons. How incredible is that? So to summarize all this, 
All you, are you in sin if you don't give 10% of your income to the church? Not necessarily, but I didn't say no. <clears throat> For some of you, given how God has constructed your life, you may be in sin if you don't give 50% of your income away. For others, God is very pleased with your 5%. Our job is not a, to meet a certain percentage, but to give whatever we're able. In doing this, in doing this though, there are two additional principles in scriptures that we'll find helpful. Sacrificial giving and generous giving. Sacrifice. All through the New Testament, we are taught that following Jesus will involve self-denial. Jesus actually makes this non-negotiable for being a Christian. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Matthew 16, 24. And on at least two occasions, we see sacrifice applied specifically to financial giving. Once with the poor widow who gave all that she had to live on in Mark 12. And once with the poor Macedonians who gave <clears throat> beyond their abilities in 2 Corinthians 8. What we can take away from this is that we should be, all be serving Jesus to the point of sacrifice. And one way that some of us will be called to sacrifice and giving our money to the point of that it hurts. And as we think about this truth, we need to avoid two errors. Two errors. First error says if your budget isn't painfully tight, you're not following Jesus. <clears throat> That's not always true. It's not necessarily sin to accumulate wealth. For example, Abraham. We should all live sacrificial lives, Romans 12.1. 12.1, but <clears throat> that'll look different for different people. For some, the real sacrifice might be with our budget. For others, it's time. For others, it's our relationships and so forth. We ought to be giving in all of these, not being selfish in any of these areas. But where we sacrifice, where we sacrifice will vary from person to person. But with that hurt or sacrifice also comes a balm of joy as we have the privilege to willingly sacrifice for our Savior and King. Another error is the one that says comfort and Christianity can coexist. We're in a battle. We're in a battle after all. We're called to sacrifice. That's what it means to follow a crucified Lord. Let our comfort be in Christ. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-7. Generous giving. The second theme that should guide our giving is a theme we see painted all through the pages of the New Testament. Generosity. Paul writes, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. This is a farming truism. If you plant just a little, you're not going to get a large harvest, right? God loves it when we take risks and bet fully on him and give generously. Liberal giving should mark every Christian. And if you're not giving at all, then maybe you have no faith. And faith without works is dead. James 2, 17. We should give generously to support the local church, to support missionaries, to help our neighbors in need, to love our families, to encourage our brothers and sisters in the Lord. So how much should we give? Everything. Both what we give and what we keep back are finally God's. How much money should we give to the church? Quite possibly more than you do today, 
but certainly enough so that you can honestly say before God that your money you're holding back to spend elsewhere brings him equal or greater glory than if you were to give it away. Give so that the money you're spending on your own needs brings God equal glory, equal or greater glory than if you were to give it away. That is a gold standard for all of us. And for most of us, that'll be considerably more than 10%. Any questions, any comments? Okay, we're going to ask another question. Where should Christians give? Where should Christians give? This is our obligation as Christians, where the rubber meets the road, right here. First thing we need to consider is where we must give. Let's start with our most basic responsibility. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, If anyone does not provide for his, own, for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Providing for our family seems to be the most basic responsibility. But let's say you've met that most basic responsibility, that obligation. What's next? Give to your local church. In Galatians 6.6, Paul writes, Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. It seems to follow the Old Testament practice of tithing in support of the Levites, those who taught God's people. I think a good way to apply this is to say that most of your giving should support this local church since most of your teaching comes from this local church. Okay, so you've provided for your family. You're giving a faithful amount to your church, but you still have money left over that you don't need. What do you do? You try to figure out what's best, most strategic way to spend that money so that you'll be able to give a good account when you go before Christ. Perhaps you give more to the church because of the good things that are, going, that are going on. In fact, I hope that over time, as your income grows, you give a larger amount to the church each year. God wants us to not only grow in our hope, faith, and love, he wants us also to grow in the, in, and excel in giving, 2 Corinthians 8, 7. Or you might use your excess money to, excess money to throw a big party in your neighborhood to meet your neighbors and, and, uh, and to share the gospel and meet unbelievers. <clears throat> Perhaps you support Second Mile or a missionary overseas. You could lend your car for a few days to someone uh, that needs it. You could loan money to help a Christian friend that's struggling to get out of debt. And just a side note there on the helping a, a Christian out of debt. If you loan them money, um, there's biblical instruction to not charge interest um, in Exodus 22, 25. <clears throat> After all, the person is in need, and we're to show them mercy. <clears throat> so you don't want to profit on their situation. But there's a lots of opportunities uh, for, for our money. There's so many opportunities. And your job is to determine how can, make, how can you make the most of it to glorify the, the Lord. Last point, last point. <clears throat> how should Christians give? Let's, finally, let's answer the question of how. How we should give. To do this, we're going to primarily look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16.2. 
1 Corinthians 16.2. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. There's five biblical admonitions that we can take from this verse. So how can we give? Giving should be periodical. We should give periodical. Okay? We should give regularly. Paul says on the first day of the week, when the church gathered, we shouldn't be more willing. When 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 the church gathered, they gave, right? The first day of the week. We shouldn't be more willing to follow IRS guidelines and give just before the end of the year than biblical guidelines of giving regularly throughout the year. Do we give our first fruits up front, or do we give out of whatever's left over at the end of the year or the end of our lives? Proverbs 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Personal personal, we're each responsible to give. Paul says, each of you. We can't assume that just because the church is giving, we're giving. Maybe you think that others will pick up the shortage in the budget. I mean, over the last few years, you know, that's happened. The budget's been picked up. So I'm going to install the pool in my backyard this year. I'm going to get that boat I've always wanted. Or I'm going to go on that trip that vacation I've always wanted to go on. It doesn't work like that. He commands us, each of us, to give. We're personally responsible to give. The next uh, is planned. We should give some deliberate thought to our giving. Paul says to put aside. When we plan our budgets, we should plan our giving. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 9-7, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. This is a decision that we should pray about and consider with others. Not one you make in the spur spur of the moment on a Sunday morning. Because giving has to do with the heart, I strongly encourage you to pray for what, where, and how to give. God is in the business of molding hearts. Ask him, seek wisdom from him in how to give. And then the idea is progressive. We should give progressively. <clears throat> Paul says, someone should give as he may prosper. The more God prospers us, the more we give. The more God prospers us, the higher portion we give. Remember, generosity is not marked by how much we give, but, but how much we keep. Giving is the only antidote to materialism. Giving is the only antidote to materialism. Giving is a joyful surrender to a greater person and a greater agenda. It dethrones me and exalts him. Our giving is to be generous. Paul, whoops, I missed one, sorry. Plentiful, (laughs) plentiful. Our giving is to be generous. Paul concludes his instruction saying, so that there will be no collecting when I come. We should give plentiful as we reflect on all that God has given us in Christ. Any, any questions, comments at this point?
Anybody? Anything clarification on or crystal clear? Yeah. Yeah, I, I interpret it as it's a pl- you're planning. Yeah, I, I, I interpret it as um, if you set it aside, you've, you've put some thought to it. And so I don't think it's saying, um, you know, it's a, against wealth creation or because we see that with Abraham's life. But recognizing that it's all God's anyway changes our perspective on how much we're giving and and um, so that I, I kind of took that as setting aside as, as the idea of planning and not just you know yeah yeah mm-hmm. yep yep Jeremy Um, I think that when you give, your, something happens with your heart. And when you spit, so the, the opposite is if you spend it on yourself for something materially, something also happens to your heart. And we're, we're idol factories, so we want to love things of this world. We get drawn in. It, we, we stick to things that we shouldn't stick to. And so I think giving... Uh, you know, puts our heart in the right place uh, in terms of, you know, it's, I think it's the opposite of materialism. So that's kind of the way I view it is, um, and I think personally, I'm drawn to all kinds of things in this world, you know, and it's, um, so it's a constant battle. And I've just found that giving uh, helps me wherever my, wherever I feel like I'm giving, I mean, this is God's money, all of it. Where I feel like I'm giving, my heart's there. And again, if I'm buying a boat or buying whatever or a vacation, like my heart's there. I can tell you right now, I'm excited. I'm worshiping it. So that's just personal. I mean, I'm assuming there's others that struggle with that. But Yes, sir. Yeah, I think the, there's such a strong word there where if we're not willing to care for those in our house, um, we're as unbelievers. So it seems like that's the order. What's that? Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I would, I would that, that's where I think a lot of prayer, and I think you talk to other people. I mean, I, um, you know, how many times do, does money destroy people when they, give it, when they didn't earn it, you know? I mean, so I think reflecting on that, praying, asking God, um, you know, there's others that have gone before that have, yeah, that's good. That's good. Yep, that's right. Yeah, I think rem- a reminder of we're going to have to give an account sk- kind of gets to my, like, I need to hear that. Because I think even the money we don't give, we have to give an account for. It's God. So um, just reflecting on that, we can, um, I, I, that, that, that always has helped me, just reflecting on that I'm going to have to give an account. What was given what I didn't give, how I spent it. Also time. I mean, time's the same thing. You give an account of your time. Relationships, how you invested, discipled. Zach. Yeah, I mean, he, he gave everything. His faithfulness was perfect. Um, his... Every every relationship was perfect, but I, I I love that verse where he became poor so we could become rich. I just think about him. You know he he put off his kingship, his lordship, so that we you know and came to this earth and felt struggle, felt pain, dealt you know temptation, all the things that we deal with in order that we might be saved, that we might be able to have a relationship with God. So I just think it's powerful to think. And I think sometimes in America we do the opposite. We're actually, I mean, financially speaking, we're rich. You know, you look at the world, America's rich. I just mean we, we go into debt. We do all these things to try to look and appear rich, but we're really broken spiritually. And so, but Jesus did the opposite of that. So I, he gave everything. I mean, yeah, great question, Jack. Yes. Yeah. 
It's awesome. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's good. I think, you know, again, where your heart is, your treasure will be. I think it's easy. We, we, well, personally speaking, I can stick to things. My heart gets stuck to things. And I think setting up accountability around um, how we're giving. And I think, like Michael Gaddy said, we should have others that are helping us. I, I think it's important. I mean, helping us to heaven is we talk about a lot and in, in, in how we're giving, how we're stewarding the money that we earn in our jobs. I mean, so I think, I think those are things. I mean, I, I, I personally love to talk to other people about what I'm, you know, giving and how I'm thinking about it. So I think my, I get nervous that I'm going to get in the way personally. And so I like some accountability around my, you know, time financially, those type things. So I don't know if that answers the question. I know, I, I understand what you're getting at, but is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah. Yep. No, that's right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Yep. Yep. That's right. It's really good. Yep. Evan. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's right. Yep. That's good, Evan. Thank you, buddy. Jeremy. That's awesome. Mm. Yep. Yeah, awesome. That's awesome. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, yeah. I would. I mean, I'll, I'll. I would. I don't really have a good answer there, so I may. I may ask Brad and the elders that question. If there's a, I think. Um, I think though, what I hear, like what I've seen, it's sometimes at least here. My experience has been you've, you have somebody that um, gets super passionate about a ministry, maybe, and they get they just write a check. A huge check or something. Maybe they were, they felt compelled to do it, and then the, and then you see where it's like, wait, that just broke them, and they didn't maybe have unity in their family to do that, and now the family's having to stay in debt longer, and it's kind of this thing where you're like, wait, I think they should have, but I think the order is interesting to think about, um, and again, I think a lot of it is prayer, and whenever you're like, hey. I've got this, uh, these medical bills, or I've got this situation I need to take care of. It's going to cost this. I may not be able to give the church, or should I give to the church and not do this medical? Those are the type of decisions that we're going to run into all the time, and I think it requires a ton of prayer, seeking the Lord, and then also counsel from others to, to work through it. Yes, sir, Ed. Good. To not hesitate yeah. and, and act upon it. So 
myself about mm. time and time again in my own life. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess a good question for all of us to consider is do we look for giving opportunities that we really should be looking for and taking on? Well said. It's good. Well, I'm going to have to wrap it up, guys. Um, in conclusion, it is more blessed to give than to receive, Acts 20, 35. Those are Jesus' words, and they are really true. One of the, one of the greatest joys for a Christian is being able to give more. There's tremendous satisfaction that comes from seeing the fruits of our labor multiply many times over in the lives of others. Money is a powerful thing, and when we use it well, it has potential to do incredible good, and that feels amazing. I hope that we're able to excel in the grace of giving. And so having been found faithful with a little, God will be pleased to entrust us with more. Let's pray.